Hey, teachers, welcome back inside the Literacy Lounge. I'm your host, Sierra Harris, and today we've got a captivating episode in store for you. We're about to peel back the layers of conventional teaching methods and explore five of my unpopular opinions about teaching reading. Now, before you hit pause or flip to the next podcast episode, hear me out. The Literacy Lounge isn't about stirring the pot for the sake of it. It's here to challenge the status quo and to help discover new perspectives that just might redefine how we approach literacy education. So whether you're a seasoned educator, a curious parent, or a newbie teacher, then this episode is tailored for you and it's there to spark your interest and ignite some thought-provoking conversations. So fasten your seatbelts. It's time to explore five controversial and unpopular opinions about teaching reading. Here we go. Teaching skills like reading comprehension doesn't have to be overwhelming. With the right tools and strategies in place, you can find success for you and your students. Step into the Literacy Lounge, the podcast that will give you the what, why, and how to elevate your literacy instruction and get the results you've always wanted. Here's your host and veteran elementary school teacher, Sierra Harris. All right, teachers. So I want to preface this episode, of course, by saying these are my opinions. And yes, there is some research out there to support these opinions, but they are based on more so my area of expertise when it comes to my experience in the classroom, my experience of working with teachers as a coach and just what I think is best practice for teaching. So you are allowed to disagree with me. That is why they are called unpopular opinions, because not everyone thinks so. So I would love it if you would just take a listen, keep an open mind, you know, have a conversation with me by yourself in your car, on your commute, or wherever you are right now listening. If you're at the gym, maybe make sure not to talk too out loud, because people might look at you weird, but that's okay if they do. Who cares, right? But anyways, let me know after you listen to this this episode today. I'd love to have you reach out, send me a DM on social media. My handle is at Sierra Harris Teaching. You can find me on all social media platforms, or you can simply send me an email, Sierra at Sierra Harris Teaching. But I'd love to continue the conversation after this episode to see what you think. Maybe you agree. Maybe you disagree. Maybe you have some clarifying questions you want to chat about. So like I said, I would just love to hear from you. But again, these are my opinions. And with that, let's get into these. All right. So unpopular opinion number one, Lexile levels are pointless. I hate them. Never use them. Don't even bat an eye when I see them. So let's dive into this one. Whenever selecting books for your classroom, have you ever used Lexile levels? Do you look up the Lexile level to see like if that text or that book is appropriate for your students? Or do you use qualitative measures such as things like theme, content, maturity level? So if we aren't looking at the right aspects when it comes to selecting text, then wrong books might get put into the hands of students. When considering these aspects of selecting books, it's essential to understand that Lexile Measures do not measure age appropriateness. They also do not measure the book quality, the book's themes, and other book characteristics. So I've got a great example of this. 
know you're all familiar with the book The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. It's actually, I think it's used in high school mostly, right? And it's actually a rather simple read. The Lexile level on that book, believe it or not, is a 680, which would be a fourth or fifth grade appropriateness level if you only base that on Lexile. However, that book is clearly taught in 11th or 12th grade due to themes and language. There's another book called The War That Saves My Life. It's by Kimberly Brubaker Bradley, and it has a level of 580, which means it's a good for second or third grade. However, it's a historical fictional novel. It is 316 pages long, and it raises a lot of difficult issues about abuse and war. It's actually written from the viewpoint of a child with physical disabilities being sent from London to the countryside during World War II. And yeah, there may be some great third grader students who are strong and mature enough to read that book, but it is clearly most appropriate for students in upper grades. Lexile levels measure quantifiable aspects, things that have to do with numbers. Things such as sentence length, word count, word repetition. Due to this, nonfiction lexile levels are typically higher than the difficulty because of the longer sentence and the less unfamiliar vocabulary. Ultimately, the lexile levels do not measure age appropriateness for different age groups. You know your students, you know the themes that they need, the content that they need, and what is best for them. Do not solely rely on the Lexile number. Absolutely don't use it. I don't even, honestly, I don't even look at it. I know my students. I know what they need. I can use other factors to see whether a text is appropriate or not. Yes, maybe use it to see, you know, like we talked about some of the more quantifiable pieces are there. Use it as one snippet of whether or not you want to use that text, but it definitely should not be a huge guiding factor. And if honestly, if you're me, I like I said, I don't even look at them. So my opinion, Lexile levels, absolutely pointless. Let's move on. If you're still here, that is. (laughs) Maybe I've already lost you. I don't know. All right. So number two, this is where I really get people. This is where I really start to ruffle feathers and it's okay. That's all right. That's why that's called an opinion. But number two is that reading stamina is not a thing. It's not a thing. Oh, all right. I know you're probably going, nope, I disagree. Nope. At least just hear me out and then we can keep talking. All right. So teachers, you're probably tired of tracking those countless data measures for your students. And you would rather spend time building relationships and lessons that are best for students, right? Now, I understand all teachers, we have to track data. However, data does not need monitoring over every single aspect. And one of those things includes at the beginning of the year, spending weeks on end at the start of the school year tracking reading stamina. It's not a thing. Reading stamina is not a thing if the student has the right book in their hands. That is the contingent factor. If the students have a book in their hands that they are actually engaged in and they are motivated to read, the stamina comes naturally. Stamina only really needs to be built when students are 
focused on trying to get through something that they're struggling with. That's where really stamina comes into place. Now, attention is different. Attention and focus are things that need to be built at young ages. When you are in kindergarten and first grade and you're coming from, you know, where students are coming from more preschool background, where it's more play, and we need to focus on can students stay focused on a task for a certain amount of time and build that type of stamina? Yes, that is a thing. However, focusing on reading a book for a certain amount of time type stamina, that is not a thing. It is all about matching the right book with the right student and letting them explore and find what books they actually have stamina for. I guarantee you, if you give me a book that I'm not interested in, if you give me a romance novel, I'm not going to have the reading stamina to get through it. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to be unfocused. I'm going to be rereading and rereading. I'm going to be, my mind's going to be wandering. I'm going to be thinking about my hungry stomach or what I'm going to do on the weekends rather than what's going on in the book. If you give me a thriller, then yeah, I'm going to have amazing stamina because I'm going to be hooked on that book. So if you're focusing on reading stamina, focus on things like exploring genres and do you have connections to this character? Why or why not? Let's see if we can find a book that you connect with better. Focus on exploring things through literacy in that sense rather than tracking the number of minutes that I'm just trying to get through to, you know, fill a thermometer or a chart or whatever my teacher has drawn for me. Honestly, reading stamina is not a thing. Our efforts absolutely in our time are better spent getting to know our students and are better spent exploring literacy and finding the what the right book for the right reader. All right, are you still with me? Have I made anyone mad? I promise you that is not my intent, but if you are still with me, I've got three more that I'd love to share with you. All right, number three, my number three unpopular reading opinion is centers are overrated. So overrated. So there's a common phrase among teachers, right? Work smarter, not harder. And this is needed to avoid taking hours of work home and constantly feeling stressed by the typical teacher to-do list. At the end of the day, your students want a happy teacher who enjoys being in the classroom, don't we all? We want to feel that happiness being in our classroom. So your excitement can naturally build in more engagement from your students. So I want you to think about this. When thinking about centers, they require a ton of planning and the technique you use depends on, obviously it depends on your stance between different reading opinions. For example, you may have four different centers within 40 minutes. This means that you have to plan four completely different activities for this very short amount of time. Instead, do things like allow students to work in small groups on the same activity that you would use in centers. Each group can work on the same activity at the same time. You can answer questions that arise with everyone or even with a small group with you that needs extra help. Honestly, it's one of my favorite ways to address any type of misconceptions. And students then receive the support that they need versus them getting, quote, a set amount of time 
And then I'm not addressing their questions, concerns, or issues until it's almost too late. They've forgotten even what that center was three days ago. So when you keep the students at the heart of your lessons, you will enjoy your room's learning and their educational process all at the same time. So my advice is to you just to look for other ways than the basic center rotations. There are so many other fun and unique options out there. Try looking into some of those, trying some of those. I can't go into them on today's episode. That's not why we're here today. Maybe in a future episode, definitely. But I highly encourage you, if centers are something you stress over, get rid of them. They are overrated. All right, unpopular opinion number four. This will be an easy one, a quick one, but it's one that I will die on this hill. Differentiation can be damaging. Absolutely can be damaging. Yes, there is a thing as too much differentiation. Teachers are going to the extreme sometimes to personalize the education of students. And that all sounds great on paper, honestly, right? It is great to meet students where they are at. However, it has to come to a point where we are teaching based on need versus grade level content at the same time. Grade level content, also known as tier one instruction, needs to be taught to all students. And I would say that in all capital letters, bolded, underlined, three times with a thousand exclamation marks. And I'll repeat that sentence. Grade level content or tier one content needs to be taught to all students. Now, students who struggle, of course, then can receive some tier one support, tier two, and then tier three support, of course. What this does, if we ignore tier one content and we are differentiating so much to the point where there are students who are in grade three, for example, who don't get grade three content because they're quote behind, then we're just continuing the gap. That's all we're doing. We're continuing the gap. We have to make sure that our differentiation doesn't take us to the point where we are no longer teaching them the grade level content that they need in that grade, supporting them with scaffolds and then supporting them in tier two, tier three. Otherwise, your students are just continually going to be behind. So hopefully by the end of that one, you agreed with me. Differentiation can be damaging. That's one that I could talk till I am blue in the face. And like I said, that is the hill I will die on for all of these. That one, essentially. Number four, big one. All right, we've come to the last one. If you are still here with me, hopefully you are not, you know, cussing me out or red in the face. Maybe I've sparked some ideas and things to think about or talk about with your team or your school. Or again, maybe you want to reach out to me on social and continue the the conversation. I'd be happy to. But let's get into the last one here. Number five, unpopular opinion, whole group instruction needs to happen. I cannot stand it when I have and I talk to teachers who say they don't teach in whole group. Why? It kind of goes along with number four, right? That that tier one instruction needs to happen. But yeah, whole group instruction has to happen. So some say whole class instruction should not happen. But I'm going to stand here and say it absolutely has to. 
it also needs to occur longer than 10 or 15 minutes. It cannot just be a quick little 10-minute lesson. For example, if you start with, you know, you're modeling your lesson, and then you work together as a class after like some guiding practice, the actual lesson you're doing is going to take a good amount of time. Students can even work with partners with the whole class working on the same activity, and it very well may take 20 minutes, even in kindergarten. Now, that doesn't mean I'm lecturing students for 20 minutes. Your students can still be engaged if you have a whole group 20-minute lesson. This just means that I'm getting inspired by things like collaborative activities or turn and talk practice to take breaks and talk about whatever we're teaching at that moment. If you do the instruction right, students will be active in their learning process for the entire time. But whole group instruction absolutely has to take place every day for every subject. And sometimes, yes, it's going to be longer than 10 to 15 minutes. And that's okay. That is perfectly fine. All right. And there you have it, listeners. Five unconventional or unpopular opinions about teaching reading that just might have you questioning the norm. I really hope you enjoyed this eye-opening journey with me here inside the Literacy Lounge. But of course, before you go, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. If you found value, of course, in our conversation today, I would love it if you would just take a moment to leave a rating or a review. Your feedback not only helps us improve, but then, of course, ensures that even more passionate minds like yours can find their way inside the Literacy Lounge. Until next time, friends, keep teaching, and I'll see you over in the next episode inside the Literacy Lounge. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Literacy Lounge with Sierra Harris. You can find any of the resources mentioned in the show notes at sierraharristeaching.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more support with close reading, download the free close reading guidebook at www.buildingcomprehension.com slash close dash reading dash guidebook. Until next time, happy reading.